0: are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want to read from uh, the Book of God tonight, you Samuel. I'm going to read and chapter sixteen, and I want you to read with me. I not so much want you to see a text tonight, but I want you to see a beautiful picture, in one sense, and a very sobering picture, in another, in the Word of God. I'm going to start reading in chapter fifteen of First Samuel. I'm going to start reading with the twenty-second verse. I want to bring you up to date. You know, this chapter starts off by saying, Samuel also said unto Saul. I got to thinking about that today in reading in the Word of God. Samuel also said unto Saul. So I look back. I'd never done this before. But I look back to see what Samuel had been saying to Saul. Chapter 13, I think it is, God had given Saul another chance he'd sinned against God, this anointed king. And so here, Samuel continues to talk to him in this chapter and sends him uh, by the word of God on a mission to destroy the Amalekites. Saul disobeyed the voice of God. He did not obey the word of God. And so the Lord was displeased with him. He said to Samuel, I'm going to reject this anointed king. And I want to start at verse 22, And I shall read into chapter 16 a little bit to get before you what I believe God has put upon our hearts for tonight. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord his great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin. Turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for is not a man that he should repent. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people, and before Israel, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord thy God. So Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. I can't say all I'd like to say to you tonight about these scriptures, but notice Samuel had said, no, I'll I'll never, God has rejected you, so do I, I'll never turn to you again. But in verse 31, he turns again after Saul. And Saul worshiped the Lord. Then said Samuel, Bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately. And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. Samuel said, As thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, Saul went up to his house to Gibeah of Saul, and Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he'd made Saul king over Israel. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go if Saul hear it? He will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I'll show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? He said, Peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man looketh, as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, made him to pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down until he come hither and he went and brought him in now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to and the lord said arise and anoint him for this is he then samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren and the spirit of the lord came upon david from that day forward i want to take for our Text tonight, a verse God has wonderfully blessed to my heart. The first verse of chapter 16, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil. Go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. I would like you to notice tonight this wonderful expression in the Word of God. This commandment from God to the prophet Samuel, fill thine horn with oil. I've read from these two chapters tonight because one is a chapter of rejection. The other is a chapter of acceptance. In chapter 15, God rejects an anointed king. You know, God, I believe, wants us to reject what he's rejected. God rejected an anointed king because he was disobedient to the word of God. It's a fearful thing to think here's a man having his last chance to make good in the service of God. And he failed, and God, four times in the 15th chapter, he said to Samuel, I've rejected this king. He no longer shall be the king on the throne of my people. I've rejected him. I'm turning from him because he disobeyed the word of God and failed to hear the call of God in his life. And I've rejected him. You know, I believe that, that still can be true today. I believe God rejects some people who are religious, who claim to be in the work of God, some who claim to be preachers. I believe God in His holy book has rejected some people. I believe there's some preachers that God has literally rejected. I know, I believe when a preacher starts to mess with this Bible and starts to say it means one thing but says another and fails to set forth this book as the holy, inspired Word of God, I believe God rejects that person. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about in the service of God. I believe there are preachers in America that have literally been put on the shelf because they've turned against the inspired holy book of God. And I want to say to you tonight, when someone fools with this book, which I believe to be a perfect inspired book settled in heaven forever and preserved of God. I believe God rejects that sort of thing. And I think God expects us to reject what God rejects. I think there are preachers in America tonight who've been rejected and put on the shelf. You know, Paul said, I keep under my body, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway, not become lost. That word means... Disapproved, it means to put it, be put on the shelf. He said, I don't want to be disapproved of God. So I keep under my body and stay true to my calling because I don't want God to reject me and put me on the shelf. And I want to say to you, if God would reject an anointed king whom he commanded to be anointed, to sit on the throne if God would reject him because he failed to hear and obey the Word of God. God has not changed. God has not lowered his standards. God has not changed his rules. If he rejected him, he'll reject preachers who mess with the inspiration of the blessed Word of God. And i had the pleasure or maybe displeasure I should say, to meet a young man who once sat in the classrooms of a Bible college. One day he heard a man get up and read the Bible and say, now, it says this, but it really doesn't mean that. It means something else. That man stood up and said, if there's no, that young man said, if there's no authoritative Bible, why do we need a Bible college? And what am I doing here? And he walked out of it. I came to know that man. I followed him. I pled with him. I prayed with him. And one day God took him home to heaven at a comparatively young age because his life was staggered by someone who said, The Bible says this, but it doesn't really mean what it says. I want to tell you, I believe that the Bible. We're in a battle today about the holy, blessed, preserved, authoritative Word of the living God. And God, I believe, would reject any preacher, disapprove of any preacher who failed to hold forth this Bible as the Word of God. I think I know that there are preachers who have been put on the shelf because of poor standards. You know, I believe that God's people need to have standards and not only live by them but be willing to die for them. I want to say to you tonight that many independent Baptist churches in America have lowered the standards. Men no longer look like men and women do no longer act like modest and dress like modest women. I believe God wants us to have standards in our churches and in our ministry and in our lives and be willing to die for them because God, God sets forth standards in this blessed book of God. I think sometimes preachers have been put on the shelf because of the fear of man. They are afraid to preach plainly and clearly and against sin and to run the risk of displeasing someone. I want to say, that kind of a preacher has no place in the ministry. If he fears God, he need never to fear any man that ever lives. I was preaching uh, some years ago out east, and I was preaching just like I preach in my church where I pastored for so many years. And uh, that preacher said, you know, if I preached that way, they'd run me off. I'd been there two, three days, and I'd heard, the, I'd already heard a little rumbling in the mulberry bushes. And I said to him, you know, they're thinking about running you off. You better get in a few licks before you go, because it's going to happen to you. I don't think a preacher should ever fail to preach what the Bible says, what the Book of God says what God wants him to preach. He ought to get his messages from God and he ought to come out hot with it and preach it like God said. And I think God will reject the ministry of any preacher who fears the face of man more than he fears the face of God. I think sometimes God rejects preachers because they support modernism and are friendly with liberal people. And people that don't go right down the line in the Bible. And in soul winning. And in church building. Just like the Bible teaches. I want to tell you, I know who I am. And I know where I came from. And I know who brought me. And I know whom I ought to run with. And it ought to be people that believe this book and practice it and live it in their lives, and not modernists and liberals. Oh, we have some independent uh, Baptist preachers, so-called in America, that think it's a, it's a thing to do to hobnob with denominational ecclesiastical leaders who are compromisers. I want to tell you, you never win somebody and help somebody by stepping over on their weak side. You only help them by holding to the faith and being true to God and true to this blessed book. I think God rejects ministers who compromise and, uh, with liberals and modernists and ecclesiastical denominations that no longer believe the Bible. I think I've seen in my lifetime and in my ministry, God reject preachers who try to build a church without soul winning. And God disapproves of that. You know, the Bible tells how to build a church. Uh, This is where the manual is on how to do it. It's in this book. And you don't win it by stealing sheep. You You build a church by getting some goats saved and make sheep out of them. That's the way God wants a church to be built. And I think I've seen in my lifetime God's disapproval. Come upon ministers. And God reject them. And not, not lose their soul. I believe if you're saved, you're saved forever. And I, I believe that God says we'll never thirst. We're going to be saved as long as the ages roll, thank God. But I will to tell you when it comes to service, God, a holy God, sometimes disapproves of our service, because we reject what God has said you better not do, and we won't take it, and we won't listen to God. And God rejects preachers that walk that line. In my lifetime, it's not a happy thing to talk about. I have preached on platforms like this with preachers, and I've sat and listened to them, and I felt I was lifted up into the presence of God. And I've heard them preach seemingly with the blessing of God upon them. But somewhere there was some cancer eating at their soul. And I'm thinking tonight with tears in my heart of some men who used to stand and preach with great power because they were called of God and were anointed of the Lord. But they took a chance with their calling. And tonight, I could name you many of them, sad to say, who are no longer in the ministry. I know I'm scratching around at a lot of things tonight, but I I remember reading one time where Sam Jones said, somebody said, what you going to preach on tonight, brother? Brother Jones, he said, I'm going to preach my Tomcat sermon. Somebody said, well, what in the world is that? He said, scratch everything. Maybe that's what I'm (laughs) trying to do tonight. You know, I think think a sermon ought to do that. It ought to do something to us. And um, I believe God rejects people. But I want to talk to you on this verse tonight. The anointment of God, the anointing oil. God said to Samuel, fill thine horn with oil. I found me a man. I've rejected this one because of his disobedience. But I know where there's a man I want you to anoint. You know, there's nothing in the world like the anointing of God. Nothing on this earth can compare with have the anointing and the call and the blessing of God upon your life as a Christian. Well, I've read this verse. I've been reading the Bible since before I was saved. And I know I've read that verse, this verse for more than 57 years. But recently I was reading about where God said to Samuel, fill thine horn with oil. And I got to think about all of us know oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. We've all heard that. We've all preached it. We've all taught it. But I got to reading more about this oil, this anointing oil. You read in the 30th chapter of the book of Exodus sometime about the oil that God said, Samuel, fill thine horn with oil. He means the anointing oil. And you read about that oil, it was a composition. It had what the Bible says, precious spices. It had myrrh, cinnamon, and other precious things in this composition. And then the olive oil. God said, pour it not out on any flesh and don't ever try to imitate it. God does not anoint anything that's fleshly and carnal and there's no imitation for the anointing of God. There's no substitute. There's no personality, no human power, no ingenuity can take the place of anointing from God. God said to Samuel, Fill thine horn with oil. You know, when I was saved in 1935, 12 o'clock noon, in a little country church down in North Alabama, it was was the greatest day of my life. Two things actually happened to me. That day I was saved and I also was called to preach same time. I've had folks say, Preacher, explain how you can be saved and called to preach. At the same time, I've never tried to explain it because I might explain it away, but I know it happened. Uh, Just in a few seconds' time, I knew God saved me, and I knew the call of God had come to this country boy's heart to preach this Bible, to be a preacher, till the Lord took me home. I knew the calling of my life just like in an instant. I knew what God wanted me to, to do. The call of God came as clear as a ringing bell, and simple and plain, so that a country boy's heart could understand it. But when I got saved, oh, the wonderful, wonderful thing happened that week. The preacher was an old-fashioned Methodist preacher. I was saved in the Methodist church, and some of my Baptist friends sometimes doubt whether I really got saved or not because it's in the Methodist church. But I have some inside information it makes me know that I really did get saved. But the whole front of that, that old country preacher stood up on Sunday morning and he had a penny postcard. Most of you have never seen a penny postcard. He had a penny postcard. In 1935, he held it up and he read it. Tears began to roll down his face. He said, Brother Owens, that was the evangelist that was to come. Said, Brother Owens has written me, and he wrote, read this penny postcard. He said, Mrs. Owens is seriously ill. Brother Owens, the evangelist, cannot come. And with the tears rolling down his face, he said, I feel that God would have me to preach during this week of revival there in the little old country church. And oh my, how he preached. He preached and he wept. And that building began to be filled and the yards filled. And it began to be the talk of the community and the surrounding countryside that God was working in a wonderful way in a revival in a little church. And when that time came, God spoke to me. The whole front of that church was all the way across. That that church was filled with people who came and knelt and opened their hearts and accepted Christ as a Savior. Amen. This preacher had a habit, uh, even way back then, he went one by one, had everybody stand, and he said, now you turn around and face these people and tell them what God has done for you in this service today. They one by one said, the Lord has saved me. There must have been 25 or 30 in a morning, weekday morning service, who came and were saved. And when he came to me, he said, Tom, tell these folks what God has done for you. I said, well, I know the Lord has saved me, and I know the Lord has called me to preach. And here I stood in overalls, plow shoes, blue denim work shirt, and I i wasn't much to look at, still not. But if, I wonder what people thought, but I, I have some more to tell you. There was a fellow standing right by me, Fifty-four years of age. I was 19. That fellow was the community drunk. He had drunk liquor and was a chain smoker until his hands shook and his head shook and his health was gone and he's 54 years old. And that morning he came and he knelt right where I knelt, side by side. And when the old country preacher said, Brother Knight, tell these people what God has done for you. That man with his hands trembling and his head shaking turned and said, I know this morning God has saved my soul. And God, like Tom said, God has called me to preach. And I've often thought about that scene. Here's this red-faced country boy in overhauls, plow shoes. Here was a community drunk with his head bobbing up and down, his hands shaking. And both of them said, we're going to preach the rest of our lives. That man was 54 years of age. He died at 64. I had the wonderful privilege to watch what a man could do anointed of God in 10 years. For that man came, became a flaming evangelist. And a a church builder. He opened up churches across the country, held revivals, baptized people in the lakes and streams until the whole countryside for 10 years literally burned with revival and hundreds of thousands of people being saved. I want to say to you tonight, God's anointing upon one person can change the course of a nation and the world. What we need tonight more than anything else on earth is to have the anointing of God upon our lives. Oh, what God can do with one person. I was preaching a few years ago in Toledo, Ohio. I was there for a week with a good friend of mine in what we've called a week of revival. We weren't having much, a great deal of revival, a few people getting saved. But I remember one wonderful night when the Spirit of God was dealing with the hearts of people in a most wonderful way, I saw during the invitation lots of people come. Most of them who came that night were already saved, but I saw a fine-looking man come and kneel down here, and you could tell the way he walked and the way he looked. God was speaking to him. God was calling him. God was reaching out to him. And in a little while, a very beautiful. A young woman came, knelt beside, that was his wife, and they put their arms around each other. They knelt at that altar with their heads together and the tears flowing down their faces, and they knelt there for a while. And uh, in a moment, I saw a young man come, kneel right down here all by himself. He looked reserved, not forward, but you could tell The work of God was going on in his life. He knelt quietly. And afterwards, the preacher said to me, this couple wants to speak to you. I went to talk to the man for a few minutes in the church. He said, preacher, would you possibly have time to go to my home for a few minutes tonight? I need to talk to to you badly. So I went to his home, a beautiful home. Beautiful, tri-level home, beautifully furnished. He took me up a, a flight of stairs and into a little thing he called his study. And he said to me, I want to tell you about myself, if you don't mind. He said, I have a good job, have a wonderful wife, have three little children. We have a happy home. And he said, we have everything in the world that anybody could ever want plus a happy home, and a wonderful marriage, and a wonderful family. But he said, I have felt tonight the call of God to leave it all and to go out into the full-time service for Jesus Christ. And he said, Preacher, what I want to ask you, you think I could give up my job and go to school and study for the ministry? You think it is right to take my family from this comfortable home, give it all up, and go away and become a student to study for the work of God. I said, if the call of God has come to you, you cannot lose. You cannot give up too much if the call of God has come. I'd like to tell you that fellow's name. That man's name was Dr. Ralph Wingate Sr. Who graduated from... Bible College went out and started a church been a pastor for many years had two fine boys one of them is dr. Ralph Wingate Jr who pastors the Calvary Baptist Church of normal Illinois the other is dr. Dan Wingate who pastors the Wooster Baptist Temple, a fine great church in Wooster Ohio that night a man said I've heard the call of God, and I want the anointing of God upon my life. I want to hear God's voice and obey obey the voice of God in my life. Three tremendous preachers were made that night when a man said, Shall I surrender all? Shall I hear the voice of God? Shall I accept the anointing of the Lord upon my life? And he did. And I believe tonight, without exaggeration, there are thousands of people who have been saved and maybe thousands of them already in heaven who have been won to Christ by three preachers who came out of a decision that night when a young couple said, we'll turn our back on it all in order to hear the call of God and to have the anointing and blessing of God upon our life. I want to tell you, there's nothing like the anointing of God. There's nothing like being called of God. That quiet fellow, that night he said, you know, I believe God's called me into full-time Christian service. He said, I believe God's called me to preach. He said, I, I, I want to I ask you, you think I can make it? I said, you don't have to make it. God doesn't call somebody because they're fit. He fits them because he called them. And that preacher became Dr. William Dinoff, who pastors the Fellowship Baptist Church, founded it and has pastored it nearly 30 years, a great church where hundreds go every Lord's Day and souls have been saved in a steady stream. That night, God's call came to a man and a man said, You think I can make it? Oh, yes, you can if you hear the call of God in your life and accept the anointing of God. You know, I was picked up by a young man down in North Carolina uh, three or four years ago. In fact, I was speaking in Shelby, North Carolina, uh, for the beginning of um, uh, Bible college, just like this great church and pastor and people are launching. And this young man is taking me from the airport to my room, and he asked me this question. He said, how can I be a preacher? You know, a lot of times people ask me things. I don't have the answer uh, right on the tip of my tongue. So I to think about it a little bit. So I just waited a few seconds, and I said to him, well, you can't be a preacher. And, oh, his face dropped. And he said, well, I'm here in Bible school. I'm here studying the Bible. And he said, how can I be a preacher since you can't be a preacher? God will make you a preacher. You have to be called of God, and God will, God will make a preacher out of you. You can't just be one, you have to be called to be one, and you have to hear the call, the call of God in your life. And I want to say, what's true of the call of God to preachers? It's true of the call of God in the life of every Christian. I believe God's call comes clearly to every child of God to obey God's voice and to surrender their life, and you never lose by doing it. I got to thinking about old Elisha today because I was thinking about how wonderful it is that God saved me and God's kept me for 57 years going up and down the country preaching the greatest greatest news the world's ever heard. And I got to praising God and thanking him, uh, thanking God for his blessing. And I got to thinking about how wonderful it is to be called of God and to be a preacher. And I want to tell you that airplane got smaller and smaller and I felt more crowded all the time. I, I, I wanted to get up and run down the aisle and praise the Lord. I want to tell you there's nothing like Hearing the call of God in your life and obeying that call, God said to Samuel, "Fill thine horn with oil." You know when the, when the Lord gave the commandment to Samuel, He said, "I want you to go to the house of Jesse." Jesse had eight eight sons. There was a special sacrifice. Seven of them were in the home. All seven walked before the Lord and before Samuel. All seven of them seemed to be someone God could use. But God said to Samuel, not this one, not this one. Samuel said, shall I anoint this great athletic looking man? No, not this one. Until finally Samuel said, are all thy children here? And Jesse said, no, there's one wasn't even invited to the dinner. He's out there minding sheep. And by the way, when the Lord anointed Saul, he was looking for lost mules. And when he found David, he was tending sheep. And when he anointed Saul, the Bible said he anointed him with a vial of oil. But when he chose David... To be a man, he said, after my own heart. He said to Samuel, fill your horn full, because I have me a man. And no one knew who it was, but God knew. And he said to Jesse, call him from the sheepfold. And he was called. You know, little old David wasn't even considered. He wasn't even invited to the sacrifice and to the feast. But I want to tell you, that says something to me tonight. It says that God can take the most unlikely person in the world who will hear the call of God in their life and surrender and give up and let God have his way in their life. God can take that person and make a great man of God.